Welcome to Humanity Shines with Shelly Nagel. This podcast features people from all walks of life, their ups and downs, and what inspires them. Today, we have Corey P. Willis joining us from Los Angeles, California. Corey is a writer and an actor who can be seen in the series finale of ABC's The Goldbergs and a slew of television commercials. He's a regular performer at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater in Los Angeles and co-hosts the F1 Files podcast. Hi, Corey. How are you? I am great. Great to see you, Shelley. Great to see you, too. Thank you for joining us today. I wanted to start out and ask you about where you were born and a little bit about your childhood growing up. Yeah, so uh, I was born in upstate New York in, well, technically it's like downstate New York, but I call it upstate New York (laughs) because nobody knows about for whatever reason this is like the the weird old problem that new yorkers have (laughs) non-new york city new yorkers have where it's like the the rest of the state exists uh so i i'm from about two hours north of new york city i was born in uh in kingston uh uh, but was raised in new paltz that's where my parents brought me home to so i spent spent the first clip of my my childhood in new paltz new york oh wow yeah and that is that the town that you grew up in for the majority of your childhood? No, we we skedaddled out of there at uh, when I was seven years old. Uh, so we we moved up to the town of uh, to Half Moon, which is just north of Albany, uh, and then very quickly moved over to the town of Clifton Park, where my parents bought a house. That was the first house that they. Uh, purchased and uh-huh. it was like uh, a big deal. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was where I spent the rest of my like proper childhood. So like from like first grade on, I was uh, or second grade on, I should say, uh, I was in Clifton Park. Okay, what yeah. was your like childhood like? Uh, it was really, really great. My parents are super supportive. They uh-huh. don't. Uh, my father comes from uh, a working class background. My uh-huh. mother comes from a working class background. Mm-hmm. Um, my father is much more involved with the arts. Oh, sorry, mm-hmm. excuse me. <clears throat> Uh, so he, my father was, uh, uh, he still does write songs, um, but he was a, a singer songwriter who then paid the bills by working for the state education department at, uh, in New York. Oh. Um, yeah. So he worked in, in education, uh, and my mother worked as a nurse, but they were like incredibly supportive, uh, mm-hmm. as far as my creativity, uh, and, most of the people around me were really, really creative people, and they also kind of supported that. So we got into like a good positive feedback loop with my 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 youngest friends, um, uh, one of which is still my best friend to this day and is also a super creative person. 
That's uh, really cool. Yeah, yeah. Can you tell me about some of your first creative endeavors as a child? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, first creative endeavors, uh, I got... I got really into uh, into painting when I was young. Uh, mm-hmm. I got into uh, first just like any normal kid got into like watercolors uh, and washes. Uh, my mother's best friend when I was growing up uh, was an artist. Uh, like that was her job. That uh-huh. was her 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 station in life was an artist. Yeah. Uh, so she. I had a ton of exposure to arts early on, not just from my parents, but from like the people on the peripherals too. So mm-hmm. I got exposed. I think the first, one of the first things that I remember getting was like a proper like wash, like kit, like a little like ceramic kit with ink that you could do like real washes uh, with black ink. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. And then from there, I got into acrylic paints uh, and was like pretty big into acrylic paints for most of my early childhood. I did Uh, not know that. Yeah. Yeah. That's (laughs) it's not something that I I didn't really pursue uh, into uh, into even like early adolescence. I kind of stopped painting after a while. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that was just something that. You know, it was a childhood thing that I was into, and then I kind of fell out of uh, mm-hmm. when when I was, you know, when I was, like, a teenager and getting into, like, sports. Oh, uh, what kind of sports did you do? Oh, I was uh, an at- – like, I was, like, a child athlete. Uh, oh. So my, pa- <laughs> my parents were, were working class, uh, right. and that, that kind of put them in a position to – kind of scramble and cobble together childcare. Uh, and one of the things that my, my brother and I, my brother is two and a half years older than me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was also uh, into sports. He's a very, was a very gifted athlete, child athlete. And I just kind of followed in his path mm-hmm. uh, and in his footsteps and played baseball, uh, played soccer, uh, and then got into basketball. And that was where I spent like a lot of my energy was in, uh, in basketball and like CYO basketball and travel teams. And my parents were so great because they also would like scramble home from work and get me to practice or on the weekend sacrifice their time to take me out to like uh, a neighboring county or over into like we played in Massachusetts a couple of times in like yeah. Pittsfield, Massachusetts. Uh traveled all the way there to play some ball. Yeah. Um but no like AAU or anything like that. No yeah. like like real travel basketball cuz again they were they had jobs. <laughs> so yeah. They, no, it's 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 a lot yeah. of money and time. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was like their their way of kind of keeping me attended to and keeping me focused and like motivated. Okay. Uh, and I loved it. I loved, I loved sports too. Um, and then right around like eighth grade when I was turning into like a real like teen boy, um, <laughs> turning into like the guy who uh, I was also like one of a very few 
brown people in upstate New York. Mm -hmm. So my, my father's black, my mother's white. Right. Uh, And that was like one of the reasons why I found such like a great, a, a great place in sports was because it was this like kind of safe haven for me where I didn't have to necessarily deal with right. a ton of racism. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there was some stuff, but mm-hmm. cause you know, it's upstate New York, like, yeah. It, and it's, it just comes with the territory. This was like the eighties and early nineties. Like, could was... you share some of the experiences that you had that you had to deal with? Uh, yeah. So that was one of the reasons we moved very quickly from half moon to Clifton park mm-hmm. was we moved from New Paltz uh, because my father got a job uh, with the state education department in Albany and he had to, he was commuting for a while and then we just moved up there because it made more sense. My mom got a job at Albany Medical Center. So we moved to kind of like a a place that was reasonably priced. They were very, again, working class, like struggling working Mm -hmm. class parents. Right. Uh, so found an apartment that was below another family and pretty much like the day we moved in, it became very obvious that they did not like black people, uh, like the, the dad specifically. And then there were two, uh, kids, uh, and the mom was kind of like the typical, enabling like, Mm -hmm. uh, just like smoothing things over when things got weird. Um, but like. He used to complain that we were loud. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, meanwhile, they literally had kids like stomping around upstairs. It's <laughs> that like weird. Uh, we had a pool um, in the backyard that huh. like we used whenever we wanted to. Uh, and again, my I'm sure my parents protected my brother and I quite a bit from this because mm-hmm. uh, we were, you know, seven and nine, you know, seven and 10 years old. Uh, so we weren't that aware of how bad things right. are really. Um, Cause new Paltz was such like a wonderful little hippie Haven, mm-hmm. like hippie community. I was a little naked baby running yeah. around barefooted. Yeah. I remember you um, telling me your parents were hippies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it was like a, a, a very, like a, a, a stark contrast to the community we left to this kind of like working class, Mm-hmm. kind of uh not even working class like it was like below the poverty line poverty line uh part of upstate new york uh-huh. Uh-huh. uh and then like ibm had moved in so there was like a ton of weird like inequality so that always breeds oh yeah okay it just you know that's just mm-hmm. the class thing so it, it creates divisions and then it's like you know we'll turn the workers against each other uh mm-hmm. Versus the people, you know, the haves and the have-nots. So it was like that kind of classic, we were up against and surrounded by people who were like wary of us because it was also an interracial marriage. So that was another thing, you know, it wasn't just a black family. It was like a, we don't know what to do with you guys. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, Like I remember we moved up to register for school and the first person to stick his head i mean first of all like stuck his head through my mom's like driver's side window to look at us uh was the coach the like varsity baseball coach and he was like the junior varsity football coach Mm -hmm. and like just like 
stuck his head like basically like in the window like my mom was like hey where do i register my kids we just moved to the area yeah and he was just like out jogging and it just happened to be the first person she encountered and this yeah. guy was like oh we got a couple of athletes back there and like literally it's i'm seven years old my brother's nine and a half years old he like, said that to you guys yeah like said that i remember that as like a like that's a weird thing for someone to say but also in this weird kind of like yeah i am an athlete kind of like i didn't know so i didn't really know to take offense right. uh, and my mom just was kind of like uh where do we register these kids like yeah just that's all i'm asking yeah yeah did like the very typical well i don't i don't know because it's not my lived experience like right. <laughs> being a white mother to brown right. children like i right, just don't right. know what that's like uh yeah i know what it's like for me but not you know for her uh, right so she just kind of made navigated that situation and got us out of it uh but there were there were a lot of like little like oh pop-ups where people were like a little weird uh i remember in like third grade some kid called me dirty uh and like i was like huh weird that he called me dirty and then he like turned to another brown kid but this kid was like much darker than me mm -hmm. uh i think both of his parents were black uh mm -hmm. and he was like and he's even dirtier than you and it was like <gasps> oh, oh wow, wow you're doing that like it was like that <sighs> just unapologetic and again these are children right. so they they're not out of like nowhere getting they're hearing it probably from yeah home. like there's no way that this kid had like this like Oh, I'm just going to like make this assumption because mm -hmm. um, he was also another he like a person who I got into like my first fight with was that kid. Oh. Uh, and yeah, like that was like later that school year. Uh, and it was again through like some weird bullying thing where he just tried to bully me and I didn't like I didn't recognize I was getting bullied because I just wasn't. I'm also a big guy, so it was like I've always been like a bigger person than yeah. most people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like just my whole life, I've existed as a slightly larger than average person. Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm only six feet now, but I'm still like you know big. Yeah, big, you weren't. You're not. You're not necessarily intimidating easily. You're just like, yeah. Yeah, and even as like a kid, like I was bigger than him, and he like came in and like just kicked me uh square in the crotch uh oh. uh yeah for like no reason um uh and then i returned the favor and kicked him square in the crotch oh. uh so i can't say that it was like like two wrongs don't make a right right uh however this kind of puts it in perspective what kind of kid i was mm -hmm. i was also wearing cowboy boots <laughs> like i was like i was a weird little kid like i i yeah i get I get why I could have been bullied or ostracized, but like <laughs> you could pick on me for being the weird kid wearing cowboy boots. Love it, uh, cowboy boots in suburbia. I mean, I, <laughs> I as it. it was relatively rural, but like I also was like really proud of wearing cowboy boots. Hey, um, whatever floats your boat. I exactly, yeah, yeah. You know? Uh, I I often think about that now, Shelly, being like, you know what. I could get some nice cowboy boots and rock like a nice cowboy hat. And... You should do it. I just got some yeah. cowgirl boots. Like hey, recently. Yeah. I was like, hell yeah. 
Yeah. Also, my dad is like so country. He's from like West Tennessee, so rural. Uh, yeah backwater tennessee so yeah it's not like a little bit yeah yeah like i I didn't like my father encouraged me to get those cowboy boots it wasn't like it was like (laughs) no son of mine is gonna wear he was like no no get the cowboy boots like yeah yeah let's let's get those um so i you know there was there were a bunch of reasons why i could have come up against weird adversity uh but there was some like element of like racism that happened and it didn't i didn't really let it define me because i also like my best friend one of my other best friends was like half filipino Mm -hmm. uh so it was this kind of like we i didn't really experience that because it was like oh we're just being like non-white is normal and our other friends like my best friend to this day is like as like white as you can get like he's like irish italian red-haired pale skin freckles like all the like he's white white uh not white passing but like a white guy yeah (laughs) and then our other friend was just you know like a brown-haired green-eyed white guy and it was like the Mm -hmm. four of us Mm -hmm. and it was it never felt that weird yeah you guys are like we're humans we vibe yeah that's what it's about yeah we're just these people who didn't know how to deal with me because i was half white or i was half black so like i dealt with like weird stuff from black people too calling me like a sellout and like not black enough because again i was like right a kid who wore country boots uh like cowboy sorry cowboy boots uh in like upstate new york where it was like the only other people to wear those are the rednecks who we make fun of for being like tractor driving rednecks uh so there was like people really didn't know what to do with me so there were yeah there were there were interesting quite the individual like person i mean you're just a very unique individual as essence as a human so thank you Shelley. (laughs) (laughs) you gotta embrace that because you know you're definitely you don't fit into a box just yeah you're very much who you are so that's i i think that's a gift but sometimes that's confusing for people because people want to see people fit into a box so they can rationalize who they are (laughs) and then when you're when you're out of the box you're like like yeah it makes people almost like anxious because it kind of like messes with the reality (laughs) well yeah it's our it's like a human nature thing to want to like put people into categories to keep ourselves safer because like you got to know if someone's a threat or if they're not a threat and there's Mm -hmm. that weird tribal mentality we haven't shaken because we're fresh out of the swamp still like so we're you know it's a thing um but i I didn't suffer too much because I was surrounded by an already like uniquely diverse group of people. That's too. great. Yeah. Yeah. You um, found your tribe. Yeah. Yeah. Just like <laughs> by accident as like a kid. Um, yeah. Uh, but they're like, as far as like artistic stuff. So back to, to what got me to like basically get away from being artistic and creative. Mm-hmm was a moment in eighth grade where I was taking like a class, mm-hmm. uh, like an art class. Uh, it was Mrs. Schraft's art class. Uh, it was just like intro to art, just one of the electives you can start to take as like a junior high student. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and she just like was like, you know, maybe you shouldn't, because I wasn't 
doing well with perspective. I wasn't doing well with line drawing and like proper, like, Hey, this, I was, again, I like learned to draw and paint with like watercolors and acrylics at like a young age, like with weird stuff that I was drawing and like some like pencil sketched and missed, you know, mixed media stuff as a kid where I'd like glue stuff to a canvas or whatever, but I didn't have technical training. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I remember her very clearly just after like not getting this specific perspective Mm -hmm. line drawing correct. Like I just couldn't get it right. And she was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe art's just like not for you. And yeah. And that was enough. Exactly. Yeah. It was, it was exactly. Uh, Because you're not like, drawing within the lines yeah yeah and i was like oh okay okay." uh and that was all i needed as a teenage boy was to have permission from an adult to go hey art's not for you Mm, you like and i was already into sports so i was just like i'm going deep into sports and i got really deep into the sports world and pretty much all but abandoned any sort of connection with like any real artistic endeavor uh because i i sang in like the chorus uh and that like i kind of like kept hidden from my friends because i was like oh this is like corny and like (laughs) you're doing like concert choir and like going to like all county concert choir stuff like that's not cool like uh, waking up at like six in the morning uh, for my mom to drive me up to Glens Falls to do like a chorus concert, uh, like a competitive chorus concert. Like I was like, all right, dude, you should just like, eh, as soon as I got a chance to abandon that, I abandoned that as well. Um, and then just got really into sports. Uh, yeah. Well, so, I wanted to ask you, cause I know that you're an actor and mm-hmm. you're an improviser and did you do any type of acting then through high school or junior high elementary school? No. Uh, so I saw my, one of my other friends who I gained as like in like junior high. Uh, uh-huh. uh, Cause I also started snowboarding at that time too. Okay. So that was kind of like my creative outlet ultimately is like, upon reflection. It's like, Oh yeah, I was able to have my own style literally like pick my equipment, pick my outfit and like be one of those like early adopters to this like lifestyle. Also being like a Brown kid uh, Mm -hmm. in upstate New York, I was like one of the few, you know, Brown or black kids on those mountains. So Mm -hmm. I kind of found a little bit of like leeway in that. And through just interacting with some of those people, I made a really good friend uh, and he was an actor and he got involved and he did Oklahoma and guys and dolls. Mm-hmm. And I went and watched some of those rehearsals, just like being a supportive friend. Yeah. And this is like the worst thing to do is go like, yeah, this isn't for me from like, a, like a punk, like snowboard punk who also was like a secret <laughs> choir nerd. <laughs> Uh, uh, who was also like sneaking away to science camp during the summers. Cause like my parents were like, yeah, you like, like science and stuff. You should like, you know, go, yeah, go dissect like a shark and like, uh, and like go dissect stuff over the summer. Uh, so I got to like do all that weird stuff and then like was like, Oh, I'm, I'm just like a cool snowboarder. This is like 
this is my thing. Uh, so <laughs> I got real deep into that uh, and kind of like in parallel with mm-hmm. like high school sports. Uh, and then I blew my knee out as like a, a freshman or yeah, a freshman in high school. Uh, so that kind of like took me out of sports. Mm-hmm. And then once I fell out of sports, uh, I kind of like reintegrated my like active lifestyle through snowboarding exclusively and spending time with those people with like the snowboarders. I like met other people who were creatives. So I started to like get into like a band. Like I got into like this, like, uh, you know, kind of like silly garage band. Um, what did you do uh, in that? uh, Like I I played bass, I played bass guitar because it's like the it was like the easiest thing to to learn as like a child. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I like as like a teenager who you know couldn't really like stand up and like spend a ton of time on my like on my feet. I just like learned how to play bass and like would like play bass with this band and we kind of hung out and then I got more involved with like some of the like singing and songwriting and then in high school we had this thing called respect day mm-hmm. and it was where you could like showcase your artistic side for mm-hmm. what whatever you wanted to do uh so as i like kind of fell out of sports uh oh i started playing lacrosse cuz it was also like a thing that i thought was kind of simple and it mimicked baseball and mm-hmm. I I could kind of like stand still and like just kind of play around. And then once my knee healed, I got more into like lacrosse. So I like Mm. played like lacrosse and was in uh, like a band with a bunch of like snowboarding kids. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, this is like some counterculture stuff. So we were like going like smoking weed and like doing all that, like, you know, that, that shady stuff that you do as like a high schooler when you like, go to like the cool guy's house whose uh-huh. like, parents don't really care. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we'd have like band practice and like smoke a joint and like uh-huh. kind of hang out. And that like, you know, evolved to like, oh, I'd go on the mountain and like those same people would be there and like we'd like smoke on the mountain and then just kind of hang out. And so I kind of like fell in with those people. Mm-hmm. And because I was like an athlete who wasn't really an athlete anymore. I got this like reputation as like, Oh yeah. You like, you know, he's like the guy who's like chill. He plays lacrosse and snowboards and all that. And hangs yeah. out with, like all these, like <laughs> all these skaters and stuff. Uh, so I was in that world and eventually that led me to meeting some other people who were kind of like dipping into like the sports world and also that counterculture world uh, and a couple of them played instruments and I ended up playing, uh, two songs. I played, uh, uh, n- uh, oh yeah. What was it? It was no woman, no cry. Uh-huh. Um, Bob Marley. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, I think I just, maybe I, it was just no woman, no cry, uh, that I ended up singing. Uh, but it was like in like, a. The, not the huge auditorium, but like a packed like mini auditorium with mm-hmm. all my friends um, and got to do that. And that was like kind of my first real like, oh, I'm everyone is like looking at me. 
Like every, like it was all eyes on me. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, it it was just this beautiful moment uh, that, I was like, oh, this feels nice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I could, like, remember that. Uh, And now, as, like, an adult who's an actor, I'm like, oh, I am just kind of chasing that sort of that experience. Like, Mm -hmm. that experience of having, in essence, like, a black box. I mean, I do a ton of improv and sketch. So, like, Mm -hmm. there's, like a black box theater that's packed with like all of my friends who are also students who are also like kind of in this like creative world to kind of dip in and out of this creative world and have professional jobs or, or right. other lifestyles. Uh, so I'm like definitely still chasing that <laughs> thing uh, in a weird way. Not in the, not in any way, like I want to recreate it, but just in a like, Oh, I remember how comfortable I felt there. Mm-hmm. Kind you like of performing, the, like you feed off of that energy of like, yeah. And like the give and take and those moments. Yeah. Something. Yeah. So I'm curious because I know that, so you were doing the snowboarding thing in high school and then you kind of started to shift in more, you know, this, this band mm-hmm. and then what led you to like acting and UCB and all these like cool things that you're doing now? Oh, God. I mean, I, this is before I graduated high school. That was all that stuff. And then my yeah. 20s happened, which uh-huh. like, I spent my 20s pretty much like working in bars, pretty much. Bartending? Uh, or Like serving? bartending, bouncing, okay. uh, busing, serving, managing, like doing pretty much every job in oh. a bar or a okay. restaurant I, I got a chance to do. Um because some of the people that I like became friends with after high school uh, when I moved back to New Paltz and like got into community college and then was like working to get into the state school and then got a mm-hmm. little sidetracked. Um, uh, but that was like, those were the people who I ended up like getting to do more snowboarding with. And while we were doing snowboarding, while we were like, like doing this and like one of my friends was like a communications major in high school. And so he had a video camera and we started like filming it, like filming each other snowboarding and then taking pictures of each other snowboarding. And then a couple of us got like pretty good. So we would like follow them to competitions and film them. And then eventually it got to the point of where they were like, Oh, we need to make video parts for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, So my friend also his older brother was screen printing and making like screen, like screen printed shirts. So he got like a silk screen set up in their like dorm room and was like making shirts. And then we started producing these videos. And during these videos, this was like right around the time that like CKY was coming out and like CKY 2K and Jackass Mm -hmm. and all those dudes. Mm -hmm. And it was like, oh, we make interstitials between the parts and the videos. Like, that was just a thing that everybody did. Mm-hmm. Uh, those dudes just ended up getting, like, very famous for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it was like, that was kind of our, like, yeah, that that was the, like, rub. Whenever someone saw what we were doing, they were like, oh, you're, like, trying to be, like, the jackass guys. And it was like, no, yeah. we're just trying to make stuff and this is how it's made. So we're not trying to be these people. We're just yeah. kind of goofs, right? Uh, yeah. And, like... <laughs> 
because of my influence partially and because of my other friends like kind of irreverent style Mm -hmm. we created these like interstitials and then i realized like as i got into acting uh because like i wound you know wound my way through that world and like the bar world kept making videos with these dudes Mm -hmm. kept like helping them i got back into design i actually got into graphic design and like started helping them like create some of these shirts and started to help like with some of like the b-roll and like the creative shots uh Mm -hmm. in these videos and i was like i really i got like an eye for like framing and like i kind of have like an eye for directing a little bit and like scoring and like design and aesthetics uh and through this kind of parlayed my way into like production assistant gigs uh in these bars and then from there uh i uh moved all around moved down to like the carolinas bounced around down there uh moved back up to massachusetts and from massachusetts is when i met the woman who not met but reconnected with uh a woman who i had known since like preschool and Mm -hmm. we just had this like amazing romance that turned into a relationship that turned into us moving in together uh and we lived in massachusetts and while we were in massachusetts she was like really a big fan of this new thing that was coming out and it was podcasting so she would listen to like comedy death ray and Uh would listen to never not funny and jordan jesse go and all these podcasts Uh and i would happen to listen to them too Mm -hmm. uh and inevitably like someone would come on and someone else would come on as a guest and then like paul f Tompkins would show up and i'd be like damn i really like this dude this dude's very funny uh (laughs) uh and then like i kind of tracked and traced him back to uh to a couple of interview podcasts Uh and he was like well i have no improv training but i do shows at this place called the ucb and i was like oh wait like like ass pennies ucb like the sketch show from when i was in college like watching like cky2k and then we'd like throw on comedy central and in between simpsons reruns or like conan reruns it would be like the upright citizens brigade sketch show like what's the oh these guys are pretty cool like oh it's like bob odenkirk and like david cross are like work oh wow what that what what is this <laughs> uh and then i realized that it wasn't just like a theater that it was a school uh and this woman that i was dating at the time was like hey you're like a big galoot like you should you know maybe pursue this like check this out like yeah check out uh follow it right uh and i was working as a like uh as a bartender and a bar manager while also trying to take on like design jobs and like freelance design yeah Mm -hmm. yeah uh and she was in a doctoral program Mm -hmm. so she finished up her uh her school and had to move to a couple of different places and like her options were boston new york or like kind of like where we grew up in upstate new york Mm -hmm. uh and like ideal like the brass ring was like you know we move back to like where we grew up we like start a family you do design work and maybe start to get involved with comedy in new york city and like i like 
am a doctor, right? And like that was like, you know, that was the plan. Um, yeah. So of course she got placed in Boston. Uh, and I, as a brown person, was like, oh, I'm not moving to Boston. Like that is like, I've been yeah. like escaping that specific brand of racism my whole life. Like I went to right. South Carolina and was like, actually, I like knowing how these people feel about me. Oh, uh, uh, right. Like, is it, yeah. Knowing who these people are and never going like, oh, this person was my friend, but they used that word when I'm not around. Oh, like, right. No one in the South ever made any illusions as to who they were. Uh, right. But uh, Northeast racism, uh, bigots in the Northeast, they hide. Um, uh huh. Uh, and like, act like you're okay, and then we'll say awful things. And Boston, the closer I got to Boston, mm-hmm. the more people I interacted with who were from Boston, the mm-hmm. more I was like, oh, these are like, this is like the center of that type of behavior. Mm-hmm. So when she got placed there, I was like, I cannot move to Boston for mm-hmm. my mental health, for everything. Right? Uh, and we tried to do a long distance relationship, mm-hmm. which of course yeah and like it started off long distance because i was in south carolina and she was in massachusetts Mm -hmm. and then it just didn't work out uh and best to her she's like happily married has a family Mm -hmm. and like i am now pursuing comedy so it was like she was truly the kick in the pants the catalyst yeah yeah after all this like hey I kind of flirt with this world a little bit. I kind of do all these things. I kind of love performing. Yeah. But I never knew that there was an upright citizens brigade. And uh, once I moved to the city, I reconnected with an old college friend uh, mm-hmm. who is now working for uh, working out here in like as like an exec uh and she's awesome uh uh like a the, one of the good kind of execs too yeah. um uh and she was a in the sketch program at UCB mm-hmm. she moved back from the west coast and like we reconnected in New York and she was like oh you should come to the theater like I do stuff here. I think you would really like at least coming to a show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I went to a show, went to the wrong theater. Oh. Uh, so there's like the UCB Chelsea, UCB East. That was the way it was back in the day. I The show was at the UCB East. I went to the UCB Chelsea. They were like, sorry, show's not here. So of course I got to the other show way after the doors were closed. Yeah. Uh, and... Didn't get let in, but sat in the bar next to it and listened to what was happening next door and could not hear the whole thing. But every once in a while, like the door would open and I'd like hear people laughing and like hear like some dialogue and it'd be like, that's the weirdest shit I've ever heard. Like what is happening in that room? Then the show lets out. My friend comes out and she's like, oh, I'm so sorry that you didn't get to see the show. She introduces me to a bunch of people because she was part of the community. And I was like, oh, wow, these people are cool as hell. Like, they're, like, doing bits and, like, being funny like my friend, like, like my friends are. And mm-hmm. uh, Alana was like, Corey, this is why I wanted you to come here so you could interact with these people and see that these are your people. Like, <laughs> this is where you belong. And I, like, was like, huh, 
weird. Uh, and at that time, <laughs> I was living on the east end of Long Island, working for my brother and sister-in-law. Uh, and like on the train ride back out there, I went through like Google on my phone yeah. uh, through like back before I, I think this is before I even had like an iPhone, um, but like went back and like signed up for classes like on the train ride back. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And was just like, Ooh, I'm doing this. <laughs> and from like the second class was just like, Oh, I love this. This is, yeah. these are my people. Um, yeah. My teachers were, uh, were, uh, Ari Vukitis and Betsy Stover. Oh yeah. Um, I love Betsy. She's so, and I, I had Ari, Ari sobbed her husband. Yep. They're and great. that's exactly Amazing. what the yeah. situation was because they have young children and the kids like kids do got sick. Yeah. So it was like Betsy was there the first week. Yeah. And then Ari was there the second week yeah, and then Betsy was back and then Ari was back. And I was like, Oh, this is cool. So I just get like a husband and what, like, is this how this goes? Uh, They're so it, cool. I love and, them. And it was like, Oh no, that's, this was just them being a family and helping each other out. Um, uh, especially now as a teacher at the UCB, I'm like, oh my God, what a nightmare trying to be like, find oh a God. sub. Yeah, I have to find a sub. We now have like email threads that we can go on and like Google groups that we're a part of, but it used to just be like phone calls, uh, like, hey, help. Um, yeah. So that was like a wild situation. Uh, this was like still back just when UCB had gone from literally signing up in person for classes to oh. like you could sign up online so oh, wow like there were still people who like when a class was released they would go and sign up in person. sign up in person yeah so that was like the era of ucb that i kind of hit uh right at this like weird pivot point mm -hmm. um and betsy and ari uh betsy was like so what are you doing here? <laughs> like, what is your, like, this is clearly your place. Like, you should just stay here um, uh, and continue to do this for however long it takes. So uh, you went through the whole program, correct? Like all the classes. Yep. Yep. And then you ended up teaching there and performing. I want to hear like how that happened. Yeah. Uh, so I had this like sneaky, uh, <laughs> I had a sneaky path to this. Yeah. Um, Usually the way that it goes is you go through the, the core classes and then you audition like a bunch of times and then mm -hmm. you get onto a house team. Mm -hmm. uh, so I auditioned a couple of times and didn't get on either time. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I got a call back the second time when I was in New York. Uh, it all kind of blends together now. This feels so gross and so terrible. <laughs> Because I'm like, uh, whatever, uh, callbacks, auditions, uh, whatever. Um, yeah. But this is, I've been doing this for like 10 years now. So I've, yeah. I've gotten a tiny bit jaded uh, yeah. uh, and a tiny bit lost in how many times I auditioned for a house team in New York. Um, I never made a house team, but I did get put on one of the performance teams. Mm -hmm. So this was like a community outreach that, basically was happening with a partnership between the Department of Education in New York. It was mm -hmm. like a pilot program with the UCB and the Department of Education. Mm -hmm. And we basically got like 
put on like showcases so that black and brown kids and low income kids and just like uh, mm -hmm. as many kids as possible could go, oh, this is a thing that you can do. Which, right. To show that it's not just white people. Yeah. And mm -hmm. to me as like a brown kid who was like, oh, my God, if someone had just if I had gone to like watch my friend Matt in rehearse for like guys and dolls in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. If I could have gone to that and been like, yeah, this isn't for me, but this other thing is definitely for me. Like, right. Oh my God. I, I'm glad I took the path that I did. I'm happy with the life that I'm right. living. I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. But I just know that like, I want to pay it forward and back to how I got into what mm -hmm. I do. So yeah, so Keisha Zoller was the one who put me on, uh, and I ended up getting uh, an internship at the same time, basically. Mm -hmm. So I ended up having a little meeting with the folks at the Department of Education and UCB on my internship. Uh, and I was just like, hey, uh, I'll help with anything. I'll volunteer. Yeah. Uh, and someone dropped out as a coach at the last minute wow. and I got asked to coach one of the teams. So I ended up coaching a team and they did exceptionally well uh, at the actual like teen improv festival in New York. Uh, so they brought me back the following year to work with another group and wow. I ended up working to produce that. And then they had me teaching uh, workshops throughout New York. Um, and uh, just before I moved to LA, they were about to offer me a teaching position. So when I moved to LA, they were like, Hey, give this guy a teaching position. So I started teaching in LA and started performing out here and, yeah, just got like fully invested in the entertainment industry. Yes, <laughs> and I loved point. your class that I took. Yeah. Great. I wanted yeah. to ask you too, like you recently were on the Goldbergs, is that correct? Yep. Yep. What was, I was. that experience like for you? It was incredible. I had no idea that I was actually filming the series finale when I was filming it. So oh. I just like lucked into being in one of the last scenes uh, of the show and wow. watching that whole thing operate was like watching just a well-oiled machine, like a mm -hmm. fully independent economy right. sustaining itself. And that was so cool to see um, watching the lead of the show be fully invested in like kind of a throwaway joke at the yeah. tail end of the series finale and like literally calling in the onset writer to work on that. I was like, that just modeled behavior for me so that when I get hopefully to that point where right. I'm like working on like an executive level yeah. or like working to make a show actually happen, mm -hmm. I can go like, oh, I saw Wendy like literally stop a, a scene uh and and be like i'm not going back out there to say this joke because it makes no sense to me and it's not funny yeah so like let's get and not being like scolding to the writer just being like i don't get this joke i think we can do better and right. then like working with them to make a better joke uh it was collaborative kind of, yeah yeah, and she's like a groundling. So like she comes from that world and mm -hmm. just like, oh wow, yeah, this the collaborative spirit really matters. Uh, right. In Working this world. together. Yeah. Uh so coming through the improv and sketch community and ending up 
literally on like one of the biggest sitcoms that's run recently was like a like oh yeah the 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 tools that i've been given through the work that i've done at ucb right can be directly applied to my work as like an actor and Mm -hmm. a writer and absolutely that's just invaluable i mean truly invaluable that's amazing. Well, Corey, thank you so much for coming on and sharing. And I wish you the best of luck with auditions and your thank creative you. pursuits. And thank y'all so look him up. He's a great teacher at UCB. I took him. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Right. And thank you for having me. And of course, uh, a, a little plug I'll get in here. Um, I do have a podcast with my best friend. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it is uh, a Formula One podcast. So if folks are interested in that sport, uh, come check it out. We've been best friends since I moved uh, to Clifton Park. Like he was the first person that I met, like on my bike in the neighborhood. Yeah. And we've like remained friends for decades. And he's a creative director and a brilliant uh, post-production uh, artist in all on his own. I mean, if you've watched a Marvel movie, you've seen his work. Uh, so oh, cool. it's like, yeah, he's amazing in his own, in his own right. Uh, and we get to like nerd out and review Formula One podcasts. Uh, That's uh, amazing. A, a Formula One race, rather. Uh, and the podcast is called The F1 Files. So okay, F1 Files, y'all. Look that up. Is it on yep. Spotify? It's on Spotify. It's on all those platforms. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, well, thank, thank you so much. I was trying to make a trip to the spot, play my ass on the bench.